Can you praise God for that? I want to invite you today to open up your Bible to Luke chapter 24. And we're going to talk about the resurrection and the meaning of it, the power of the resurrection. But we're also going to talk about what the resurrection means for us. What does it mean that Jesus is alive? The resurrection was the day that Jesus came back from the dead after three days. That yes, he went to the cross, but then he went straight through the tomb and now he's alive. And because he's alive, we get to live in power. I saw a picture yesterday that said Easter is not about the bunny. Easter is about the lamb, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you can clap for that if you want to. Amen. A young girl in our church was asked a few years ago, what does Easter mean in the children's ministry? And she said, Jesus is alive and the bunny is dead. <laughs> Today we can have good news. We can have good news in the midst of bad news. We, I woke up today to the news of a church being bombed. We wake up every single day with so much sin, so much evil, and so much pain in the world that we live in. As we look at our culture, as we see the sin that's taking place, the enemy and the evil, we look around and we start to ask ourselves, in the midst of all the bad news, is there any good news? Well, there is good news, and today you've come to hear the good news. See, the good news is that Jesus on Friday died, but on Sunday He overcame death for you and for me. The good news is that He paid your admissions fee. The good news is that He paid your entrance fee into the resurrection. And now you are forgiven. You're no longer guilty in Jesus. Now you're redeemed. That means that He paid the price for your sins. And you're no longer now in bondage or a slave to sin. You're redeemed now. You're set free now. You're set free from sin. You're set free from death. And guess what? Sin and death no longer have power over us because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of the resurrection and because of the tomb. You see, Jesus went to the cross so that me and you can walk out of the grave. Isn't that amazing? You see, it was the day that changed human history. But it's also the day that changed your history. It can change your history and it also can change your future. You see, Jesus went to the cross for our forgiveness and He walked out of the tomb for our victory. And now we can live in victory. We don't have to live defeated. We don't have to live depressed. We don't have to live now under the bondage of sin or de depression or anxiety. We don't have to live under that anymore. That doesn't have power over us because of what Jesus did. We have victory now. We don't have to live defeated. And we talk about victory when we sing about victory. It said that Jesus here in the resurrection defined what victory means. A lot of us want victory. We want to win. When you look at a sports event, when you, when you go out and maybe play a, a competition, you want to be victorious. And you're enrolled for the victory, for the win. And I think a lot of us, when we think about victory, we sometimes try to attain victory, but just not in all the right places. And, and I think it's so important to define victory and what does victory look like? Because Jesus taught us what victory looks like. It doesn't just mean winning. It means victory in all the right places of your life. 
Today I want to talk about what victory looks like. But before we talk about what victory looks like, we're going to define what victory does not look like. <laughs> and I'm going to give you three points, three points in regards to what does victory not look like. And we're going to read the story of the Easter resurrection in Luke chapter 24. And then we're going to look at what victory does look like in Jesus. You see, victory, what victory does not look like, if you like taking notes, number one, victory does not look like bondage under sin. That's not what victory looks like. And sometimes we say, you know, I'm living in victory, but st sin still has power over my life. I am still participating or, or in things that I know God does not approve of. That is not living in victory. That means that sin still has power over your life. That is not living in victory. Number two, living in victory is not living in your old life. Sometimes we think I'm living in victory, but I'm still living in my old life. That is not victory. That means you're still living in the guilt and in the shame of your sins. That is not living in victory. And number three, living in victory is not living with no hope. You see, I think hope is so important. Because what kind of message would we have if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? What message would you have and would I have today? What kind of message of hope can you bring someone when someone that they love has passed away? What kind of hope can you give someone that is going through a trial or is going through something in life that is so hard? What kind of words of comfort can you give them? You can give them none because Jesus had not risen from the dead, but he did. And if he hadn't, we would have no peace. If he hadn't risen from the dead, we would have no liberty. If he had not risen from the dead, we'd have no freedom. And if he had not risen from the dead, we would have no power. You see, I like what 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read it to you. It says, and if Christ is not risen, if Christ stayed dead after the cross, your faith is futile. It means that everything we do right here is useless if Christ didn't rise from the dead. Our faith is useless and you are still living in your sins. If Christ didn't rise from the dead, we would still be all living in sin today. Do you know that? But praise God that he did rise from the dead. And I think a lot of times we understand and we look at the message of Easter and the resurrection, but do we also look at the hope that we have in the resurrection, even in a hopeless situation, even in a hopeless world and culture at times? It's so sad to see so many people without hope. And the reason why they have no hope is because they're still in bondage to sin. They're still living their old life before Christ. And because of that, they're living with no hope. But Jesus today can give you hope. He can give you hope. You don't have to live that life anymore. You don't have to be in bondage to that vice or the addiction anymore. You can have hope now and you can have promise. You see, we live in a hopeless society and culture at times. And it's even said through studies that people go through different resources and outlets to try to numb the pain that they're going through in life because they live with no hope. And they'll go to drugs or alcohol. They'll go to different outlets to try to numb the pain of hopelessness. But you don't have to do that in Jesus. People even resort to suicide. Studies have shown that suicide has gone on a rise so much in America or in U.S. that is dropping the life expectancy in our country, especially between the ages of young people, between the ages of 10 
through 34, people are committing more suicide now more than ever. In fact, it is the 10th leading cause for death in the United States, suicide. Studies show that every 12 minutes, someone in the U.S. takes their own life. Why? Because of no hope. Because they think that that's the only way out of their pain. You see, have you lost hope today? Are you living with purpose or with hope or with expectation? Or maybe you've come empty today because you've lost hope. You see, maybe you were hoping you were at a different place in life by now. Maybe you were hoping that your marriage was better. Maybe you've been hoping that your career and your career pathing, you would be in a different place in life. Maybe you're disappointed because of your family situation or disillusioned because of broken promises and because of the hurt and the pain and you are let down by other people. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus didn't let you down when he went to the cross because three days later, he walked right out of there for you and for me. And because of that, we can have living hope. And you would ask yourself, well, what makes Jesus different than these other teachers, than these other religions or these other faiths that are all around the world? What makes Jesus so special? What makes Jesus special is that he didn't stay dead, <laughs> that he resurrected. And there's actual now proof of his death and his resurrection foretold before he came to be born and to die by his own words and by the prophecy in the Bible that predicts that Jesus would die and that he would rise again. Not only that, there's actual witnesses that speak of the resurrection and that declared it immediately, telling people, he's not dead, he's actually alive. So much so that they were willing to die for the cause that Jesus came back to death, uh, from the dead. That they were willing to die for that cause. It has been said, C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, said, Jesus forced open a door that had been locked since the death of the first man. He forced open that door that was locked since the death of that first man. What was that door that Jesus opened for you and for me? The door of hope. The door that sin and now shame and death doesn't have power over your life. We're going to see the story now in Luke 24 where it talks about these women that are walking to the tomb and they're walking in fear. They're walking to the tomb in sadness. But the way they leave the tomb is different than the way they walked to the tomb. And I pray today that we would leave differently than the way we came in. I pray that we would leave not with fear, not with sadness, not with a disillusion, let down, hurt or pain that is taking place in our life, but that we would leave with the joy and the hope that we get from an empty tomb. It says in Luke 24 this, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came into the tomb to bring the spices, spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about that. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth and said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Do you remember what he spoke to you? When he was still in Galilee, do you remember what he said? Saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified. And the third day he would rise again. 
And they remembered His words. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You because we can live with hope. We thank You that because of the resurrection, we can live in victory. We don't have to live in bondage to sin. We don't have to live in our old life where we're guilty. And we don't have to live a life with absolutely no hope, defeated. We thank You, God, because You paid the price for our sins. And now we can live in victory. In Jesus' name, the church together said, Amen. It says in verse 1 of chapter 24 that the woman came seeking for Jesus. Now we have to really now give it to these women because you see the tenacity now and the resilience of the woman coming to the tomb. It said that the women were the last ones at the cross. And here we learn that the women were the first ones at the tomb. That's amazing. It must be because it was very early in the morning. And for us men, it's difficult for us to wake up a little early. But it says here in verse 1, that it was on the very first day of the week, early in the morning, they and certain other women went with them, and they came to the tomb to bring spices which they had prepared. After a body had now been dead for a few days, they would come and prepare the body and, get, and put the spices and all the things and preparations that we see take place even today. And these women were coming on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. I'll tell you this, it's important that we recognize that for these women, it was priority to go very early in the morning and seek Jesus. It was the first thing that they wanted to do that week. It was the very first thing that they wanted to do that day. This demonstrates their commitment. This demonstrates their, uh, their devotion that they're seeking first God. Are you seeking first God the very first day of the week, early in the morning? The Bible tells us first seek the kingdom of God. These women are first seeking Jesus. In other now gospels, it tells us in John that they went out to the tomb while it was still dark. They went out and they started to seek Jesus even while it was dark, looking for the body of Jesus. They were hungry to be now in the presence of Christ. They wanted to be there. They loved Him. They, they were going, but they were going with sadness because they expected Jesus to be dead. And it says, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. In Mark chapter 1 verse, 63, verse 3, it tells us that as the women were walking now to the tomb, they started to talk amongst one another. And they said, but who's going to roll the stone away from us? You see, the Roman govern, uh, government and the soldiers had put a stone on the tomb of Jesus because they had fear that his body would be taken out and people would begin now saying that he had risen from the dead. In fact, they had put that stone there on its way to prevent Jesus from coming out. In, a, in essence, they believed that this man that went to the cross, there was a possibility that he might walk out of that tomb. So let's put a stone right in front of it. You see, if they thought Jesus had no power, they would have not put that. But they put that stone there. They put the soldiers there. They double protected that tomb. And these women are worried, who's going to help us roll that huge stone away? And maybe today, you're worried about the stones that are standing in the way of hope, standing in the way of your answer, that are standing in the way of your peace, that are standing in the way of what Christ wants to demonstrate and to show you. And there is a stone, and maybe you've come in worried, but the stone that was in the way of hope, that was standing in the way of hope, was rolled away. 
And it wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out of the tomb. It was rolled away so that you can step into the tomb and look that it's empty. And today we can know, yes, the tomb is empty and the stone is rolled away, not for Jesus to go out, but the stone is rolled away so that I can go in. See, God here is telling us through his word that you have the accessibility to step into that tomb. There is an open house in that tomb. There was an earthquake, the Bible says. It was shaking things up and the stone was rolled away. These women knew through prophecy that Jesus would, be born, would come back to life. However, they didn't live that way. They were failing when it came to their faith. They were kind of weak, but they wanted to see Jesus. And it said as they were troubled in verse 3, that they went in. They stepped into the tomb and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't find Jesus. And it tells us that here in verse 4, going on next, And it happened as they were greatly perplexed, or they were amazed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Now through other gospels, we know that the two men that stood by them were two angels. And one was standing by the head of where Jesus was laid and others were, was standing there uh, by the feet of where Jesus was laid. But the point here is that they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Do you know what happens when someone dies? What the now uh, law enforcement and authorities come to do? They come to collect the body or receive and gather the body of that person that was taken or when a murder has taken place. But one thing that is required to confirm that that person has been deceased is to now as evidence have the body of that person. But here they did not have the evidence that Jesus was dead because his body was missing. (laughs) And it says as they went in they were amazed and they were perplexed and they saw the two angels in shining garments. They're standing in the tomb. But isn't it amazing that it was two angels that announced the birth of Jesus? And then it was also two angels that announced the resurrection of Jesus as well. In verse 5, it goes on and tells us, And they were afraid, and they bowed their faces to the earth. You'd ask yourself, why were they afraid? Imagine seeing two angels right now. If you saw two angels, real live angels, when you walked into your house and they were sitting in your living room, what would you do? (laughs) We'd be probably freaked out. (laughs) But angels are real. The Bible talks about them. And it said that they saw two angels there and they were afraid. But I love that what happens here because they bow down. They're showing some type of level of respect here now as they bow down before these angels. And what these angels say to them is so powerful what these angels say. Because look what it says here in verse 5, what the angels speak to these women. And it says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? among the dead that's so important every time i read this passage it reminds me about the strong and the strength in the resurrection how strong it is that message because sometimes we us together we can sometimes be looking for the living among the dead and you would ask yourself what what do you mean we're looking for an eternal satisfaction in temporal things We're looking for something spiritual in material things. And we often look for the living hope that only comes from Jesus. We look at it in other things. We look at it in religion. We look at it in tradition. We look at it in man's effort. And sometimes we look at that hope and the satisfaction that only God can give us. We look for that living hope among even other things that won't give it to us. 
Sometimes we long for a relationship and say, if I was just in this relationship, this perfect relationship, then I would have that hope and satisfaction and I would not be longing for something else in life and I would feel like I have attained that satisfaction in life. Sometimes we long for love. We long for attention. Sometimes we long for money or for success. But the angels today tell us, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You see, they were looking for a living hope in all the wrong places. And I want to ask you today, are you looking for the living hope, for the purpose? Are you looking for victory in all the wrong places today? Maybe you've come in today and you try to look for victory and maybe frustrated. And your own strength looking for it. But we only find it in Jesus, in the resurrection, in the internal life. Are you seeking life? Are you seeking it in the right places? When it comes to purpose, do you know what your purpose is? When it comes to the fulfillment now of what God has given you and your calling, you will never find it in things outside of Jesus. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? You know what happens when you look for the living among the dead? You become frustrated. Because you think that you're going to get it once you attain that certain level of life. And, and then you, you are let down because that doesn't satisfy you. If you were to only attain this in life, then I would be good. I would feel satisfied. I would feel like I had purpose and meaning in life. But, but then you know very quickly that it lets you down. And it only satisfies you temporarily. But then you want more. You see, Jesus came so that he can give you eternal life. He said, I came to give you life and to give you life abundantly. Verse 6, it says, he's not here. You're looking for life in the cemetery. He's not here. Jesus was not there that day. He said, he is not here. There's an empty tomb. And it says in verse 5 here, as it, he said, he is not here. Verse 6, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he's still in Galilee? He's not here. He's risen. That word risen means he's awakened. He has stood up again now. Do you remember what he told you? See, a lot of times we're so disillusioned and discouraged because we don't remember. Instead, we forget. And we forget the promises of God. So then you are living completely discouraged. And you start to live defeated. You start to live empty and sad. But he's saying here, remember the words that he told you. He already told you some words. Back when you guys were in Galilee, the greatest way to get encouraged in life if you are discouraged is to remember the promises of God. Why are you alarmed? Why are you fearful? See, we become fearful and alarmed because we forget the words. But when we remember the words, we remember the Lord. When we remember, yes, that the Son of Man was to be delivered and crucified, but on the third day that He would rise again, we remember the hope that He was not going to stay dead and that He is alive, we become encouraged. See, we are quick to forget. We are quick to forget His word. But we must today remember His Word and remember His faithfulness. You know how you remember that? By staying in God's Word in the Bible. A lot of times we run out and we're living on empty. We're trying to be satisfied by different outlets. We're living on empty. But the only way you can live full of life in Jesus is that you remember His words and you stay in the Word of God and you stay in prayer. You need that encouragement? Look at the empty tomb there because it's full of hope for you. And it was rolled away so that you can step right in. In verse 8, it says, And they remembered His words. When they remembered His words, they were strengthened. When they remembered His words, they were ready to now go and share these news. Because they remembered that God had a plan. Because they remembered that, that God's plan was that Jesus would die for the sins of the world and that He would resurrect and me and you can have hope. They remembered the words of Christ. And you know, 
Christ has words for you today. His words for you is that He has a plan for you. His words for you is that He loves you. His words for you is that you don't have to live in defeat, that you can live in victory today. That you don't have to stay defeated, that you don't have to live in shame, that He has a new beginning for you. Remember His words. You see, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, it talks about when the, these women went to the tomb and it says, But the angel answered them, Do not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. I know that you've come here to look for Jesus. Why have you come today? What are you looking for today? Are you looking for Jesus? Maybe you were just invited and you wanted to come to do that person a favor. He said, I, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He's risen. And he says, come and see. That is the message of the resurrection. That is the message of victory. You want to see victory? Come and see victory. He's inviting. The angels are inviting you to see victory. It's an invitation here. Come and see the place where Jesus was laid. But then what else is the second part? Come and see and go and tell. Come and see and then go and tell. Verse 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. You've known it. You've experienced the power of the resurrection. And because of the power of resurrection, your life has changed now. See, you can't argue against a changed life. You can't argue against someone being dead and now they're alive. <laughs> It's like you can't argue someone's life that, that maybe you knew them and before, you know, in, in times past, they were living a life and doing X, Y, and Z out in the world and, and maybe trying to find that fulfillment, but then they were frustrated and in pain and, and they experienced all that the world had to offer, but now they're a completely different person and you're like saying, well, what happened to this guy? <laughs> they're completely different. You can't argue the power of the resurrection. He says, go and tell now. He is risen indeed. And he is going before you into Galilee. He said, there you will see him before, behold, I have told you, he is risen indeed. He's risen indeed today, church. And in verse 9, it tells us and it speaks, and they returned from the tomb and told all these things to eleven and to the rest. You see, they went in with unbelief, but they left with belief. They went in and had lost hope. Because they believed that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom and give them the liberty from the Roman government because they were oppressed. And they said, we can't believe it that for three years we believed in Jesus. That for three years we put our hope in Jesus. And now he's dead and they're coming to the tomb so let down and so sad. But now they know that their hope is not dead. And their hope is living. And today your hope is not dead, your hope is living. And they come with a level of excitement encouraged by their faith. And their courage with their boldness now. Remembering the words encourage them. They, their call to action to go and to tell. You see it says that when, as they went over to the disciples. That Jesus actually appeared to them on the way to the disciples. In Matthew 28 verse 9 it says. And when they went to tell the disciples. Jesus met them on the way saying rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. He said, rejoice. And today Jesus wants you to rejoice because he's alive. Because he is living indeed. And then it says in verse 12 of Luke 24, Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman with them, who told these things to the apostles. They came and they told these things to the apostles. And in verse 11, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. These disciples that had spent three years with Jesus, they didn't believe that Jesus was actually alive. Just imagine, they saw Jesus give sight to the blind. They saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. 
They saw Jesus heal many people in miraculous signs, but it said that they did not believe when these women came and told them that Jesus was alive. It seemed like idle tales. They forgot the faithfulness and the miracles that God had done in the past. And idle tales means that they thought that this was nonsense. <laughs> Has someone ever told you about the resurrection of Jesus and you said, you know what, I was good when it came to Jesus. I just, I, I struggled with the part that he was dead and then he was alive. <laughs> And you almost feel like it's idle tales. Like it's a made up story. That's what they thought of. They thought it was a made up story. They thought that almost it was, it was nonsense. They did not believe in Jesus here is challenging their faith. And maybe today Jesus is challenging your faith. You know, these disciples were also discouraged. They were living in that type of discouragement. But in verse 12, it tells us something happens here. But Peter arose, this man, this disciple named Peter, he stood up and he wanted to know for himself. He wanted to step into that tomb for himself and know, I want Jesus to become real in my life for myself. Not just because someone told me, I want to step into the tomb myself and I want to see victory. I want to see hope. I don't want to live this way. I don't want just because they told me or because they had that type of experience or good for them. No, Peter said, I'm going to rise and I want to know for myself. You know what Peter does in verse 12? It says here now that he ran to the tomb and stooping down. In fact, he got on his knees now and he started to search. It says, and he saw the linen cloths that were lying by themselves. And he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. He could not believe what had happened. He saw the linen cloth where Jesus was covered and he wrapped around after the cross and he now departed marveling, amazed at what had happened now and understood that Jesus was indeed alive. You see, this is so important because now you see that the disciples now start to go on fire and start to live their lives differently because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. I love what John Blanchard said. He said the Easter story ends not with the funeral, but with the festival. He says the resurrection of Jesus demands not our applause only, but it demands our allegiance that we say, yes, Jesus, we choose to follow you. Not with our compliments, but with our surrender. Today, when you think about the resurrection, what do you think about? Does it evoke, does it challenge your allegiance, your surrender? Or is it just an emotional thing that, yeah, let me go through the motions of Easter. No, Jesus is alive. And that means that you can be a different person and that he has a hope and a plan for you. And after you die, you can go to heaven. You think about that. Is there, what is the meaning of life without Jesus? What is this all about without Jesus? What is life about without Jesus? See, without Jesus, you, you will live to die. But then when you find your life in Him, you know that one day I will die only so that I can live and I can be more alive than I've ever been before because I'm going to be in the very presence of God. And that's where we find our hope. That's where we find eternal life. That's exactly why we don't have to run away from Jesus and we can start running towards Jesus and towards the empty tomb. Yes, He went to the cross for our forgiveness, but He did it so that me and you can step out of the grave and we can live in victory. Now I told you, you know, what victory doesn't look like. I'll tell you, it doesn't look like a life still in bondage to sin. Victory does not look like that. Victory does not look like your old life. That doesn't mean victory. That means that you're still living in your old life. It means still guilt. It still means shame. 
And victory does not look like you living with no hope. Hope means that you have the promise of eternal life that I know that when I die, because Jesus overcame death and overcame sin, I know that because of that, I will have eternal life. It's an eternal hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that doesn't disappoint. It's a hope that doesn't let you down. So what does victory look like in Jesus? What does it mean that when I go to the cross and I see the empty tomb, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? What does it mean when you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and then he came alive on the third day? Well, I mean, that's good for Jesus, but what about me? What does that do for you? It lets you live in victory. That's what it does for you. It lets you live in power. That's what it does for you. It lets you understand that he has a plan for you. That's what it does for you. You know, God did not design us for us to live in defeat. He designed that we would live in victory because when Jesus went to the cross and he over, he stared at face right in, death right in the face. And on the third day, he rose again. He's saying death and sin no longer have a power over people as long as they come to the cross. And today, death and sin doesn't have to have power over you. Shame no longer has have power over you. That's not a life of victory in Jesus. That's not the life of victory in the empty tomb. What does victory look like? I'm going to tell you. Victory looks like, number one, it looks like freedom from sin. It looks like you're not living in sin anymore. Victory looks like freedom from sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer a slave to that addiction. I'm no longer a slave to that pain. We're not slaves to that. That's what victory looks like. God has given me the victory over all of that. Number two, victory looks like a new life. Victory doesn't look like the same life. Victory doesn't look like your old life. Victory looks like a new life in Jesus Christ because of the empty tomb. You see, because Jesus rose from the dead, now you can have a new life. You don't have to go back to your old life where you're guilty, where you feel the shame of sin weighing down on your shoulders now. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he took and he lifted that burden and that shame and that pain away from you now. And you don't have to live in your old life. Victory means a new life. And number three, victory means the promise of heaven. The promise of heaven. Number one, it means freedom from sin. Number two, it means a new life. And number three, it means the promise of heaven. And I'm going to tell you this, you can choose victory today. Isn't that amazing that we can choose victory today because of the resurrection? That if you want victory, you can come and get it <laughs> in Jesus Christ. I love what the, uh, Paul the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15, because he's, he's, he's now singing out with gratitude as he writes this, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, I'm not scared of you anymore. Death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? All right, hell, you think that you have some kind of power over me, hell? You think that sin, you have power over me? Where is your sting? Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Yes, you used to have power over me, but thanks be to God, it says here, who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thank God that He gives you the victory, the power through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, that victory is life-changing. The victory gives you a living hope. The victory tells you, I can expect something more than just tomorrow. You know, I want to tell you that yesterday's pain doesn't define you. Yesterday's 
letdown doesn't mark your identity. Because Jesus today wants to remind you that he has victory for you. And that he keeps his promises and they're sure and they're everlasting. And sometimes we say, well, you know what? I'm so let down. No, but because he rose, I can see tomorrow. Because he rose, you can see tomorrow. And you can, with expectancy, no, I'm not living in hurt. I'm taking this hurt and I'm going to give it over to Jesus because I want to live in victory. And I want to have a new life. I don't want to live defeated. You see, the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved you so much that he was willing to give his only son. But do you think about what kind of love that is? I think I realized how much God loves me until I had a son. And I started to ask myself, am I willing to give up my son so that other people can go to heaven? Am I willing to let my son die so that other people can go to heaven? And it started to blow my mind of how much God loves me. Because I don't know if I, was, I would be willing to do that. Because I love him too much. I love him too much to see him get hurt. But Jesus said, I love my son so much. But the only way so that you can be forgiven is that I give him. Because he's the only perfect one. And he sent the Lamb of God so that you can be forgiven. He said, and after three days, he's going to rise again from the dead so that you have power to live a new life. So that you have power to not live in sin. So that you have power to live with hope. In Romans chapter 6 verse 5, it says, Therefore we are buried with him through the baptism unto death. That just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. When he walked out of that tomb is so that me and you can walk a new life. So not so we can walk an old life, not so that we can live in the same addictions, in the same struggles, in the same pain, in the same hurt. That's not why he rose. He rose so that you can have a new life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death... Certainly, we'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection. If we went to the cross and said, Lord, I want all that stuff to die now, then also we are going to resurrect and be a new person. Knowing this, that our old man, the old person was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and we shall no longer be slaves to sin. When you went to the cross, you said that sin, that addiction, that vice, that hurt, that pain, that let down, I, I, I put it at the cross and I nail it at the cross. And now I am a new person and my identity is now and not in my flaws, but my identity is in the son of Jesus Christ. I can bank on that. And I'm not a slave to sin. It doesn't have a power over me now. I can say no to that. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. If you die, that means you're going to live with Jesus Christ. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead and dies no more, Death no longer has dominion over him. If you live without Jesus, guess what? Death has dominion over us. But in Jesus, death has no dominion. Pain has no dominion. Yes, we'll go through struggles, but we have hope that one day we're going to see Jesus. We, we have hope that one day we're going to be transformed and meet Jesus in heaven. Why would you ever want to leave and live without hope? Well, without that hope. Why would we ever want to, to live our lives without that certainty that God wants to meet your need? He's the only one that can meet that need. You see, in Romans 6, 23, it tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The payout of our sin is death. We're imperfect, all of us. Even the most good, righteous person in here has not reached perfection. <laughs> We're all guilty. We're, we're guilty, we're guilty, but in Jesus we're forgiven. And He forgave us, and no longer, we don't have to pay the price for our guilt. 
We don't have to pay our price for our shame. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is in Jesus Christ. So what is the gift? The gift is eternal life. The gift is eternal life. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, here it says, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you believe in the power of the resurrection, then you shall be saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, today we want to be saved. We want to know that power. We thank you, Lord, because you've given us victory. We thank you that victory means that we are free from sin. We thank you that victory means that we can live a new life. We thank you that victory means that we can have hope of heaven, that one day we will see you in heaven. We don't want to live without that hope, without that victory, because life without it is empty. It's meaningless. We want to live with that hope. We want to make things right with God. And maybe today if you're here and you say, you know what, I want to make things right with God. I want to choose victory today. I want to choose freedom from that sin. I want to choose freedom from the guilt. I want to choose freedom from the pain. I want to choose a new life. I don't want that life that I have that is so uh, entangled in the cares of this world. And I want to have the hope of heaven. I want to choose that today. In the midst of my circumstances, I'd rather choose that than anything else. If you want to choose victory today in Jesus Christ, then I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you right now. Just raise your hand. God is in the business here of restoring lives. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise God. I see your hand. If you want victory today, just go ahead and raise your hand. Amen. God is in the business of restoring lives. He's in the business of changing lives. Lord, today we don't want to reject that invitation to come into the tomb and have hope. To come into that empty tomb, Lord, and have the hope of resurrection. We choose victory, God. We choose, Lord, you, Jesus. I pray for all those that are going through even a struggle, a pain right now. Maybe hurt, that they're desperately seeking healing 